The mechanic is in on KFGO. Bruce Becker is here with us from A1 Automotive and Transmission Service in Moorhead, Minnesota. Bruce, welcome back. Hey, so happy to be here today. So glad that you're here. You can call in now if you want to talk to Bruce, 237-5948-800-880-5346. That's how you can get a hold of us. Also, if you'd just like to send us a text message, if that's easier for for you, you can send it at 35270. Bruce will be here until 2 o'clock taking all of your automotive questions. Bruce, um, well, first, how was, how was Florida? <laughs> Florida is uh, pretty cool. It's uh, it's actually a cool day here. People were freezing today. It was 58 this morning. Oh. But now it's 70 and it's a great day and it's been 80 <laughs> most of the days. So, yeah, it's doing, it's doing, it's we're having great. some good time. We are, we're glad you're enjoying it. I mean, no big deal, but I was able to scrape my driveway, Bruce. So, you know, like <laughs> I got that going hey, for that, me up here. I can't wait to, to get back and all the roads are dry. <laughs> yes, hopefully they're all dry by the time you get back. Um, let's get to the phone line. Do we have someone waiting on hold? Okay, for whatever reason, I can't see them. Oh, now I can. Okay, Candace is first up. Candace, you're on with Bruce. Go ahead. Hi, Bruce. I have kind of a simple question, I hope. Um, I have a small battery tender that's attached to my battery, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering... Can can I auto start my car while that's plugged in, or do I have to go unplug that before I can auto start it? Nope, you can auto start with that in. It's not going to hurt it at all. The battery tender okay. is only charging when it needs to be charged, and that's why the little light is on it to, to to tell it. So just don't drive away with it hooked onto your onto the car. Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and of okay, course, that's awesome. remember. And the other thing is, is that. You probably shouldn't be auto-starting your car in the garage because carbon monoxide will go into your home. So remember, when you when you auto-start in your garage, that's very dangerous. So you should get it out of the garage away. Definitely. Yep. Exactly. Right. Good luck. I appreciate your help. Thank you so much. Thank you, Candace. Let's get to Sean. Sean, you're on with Bruce Beckers. Go ahead. Hi. Good afternoon. I just had a question for you regarding, I had purchased uh, a little over a couple of years ago, a 2020 RAV4 from a dealership, not not one in Fargo, um, but it had 7,000 miles on it when I got it, less than a year old. But soon after, I the battery went bad, and of course, they replaced it, no big deal. But now, two years later, it, it went bad again. And then I called to make an appointment, uh, being that it's still under warranty. Well, I got some weird response, uh, blaming it on my driving habit. Well, I've never had any problems with any of my other vehicles. And I just started to wonder. That was strange. Well, it didn't take, to get to my point, it didn't take long to search online to find out what is going on. And apparently, I think this is the right word, parasitic battery drain that apparently Toyota is not uh owning up to but it, it wasn't hard to find that and it sounds like in some cases it can affect other electronic part of the uh, uh the, the vehicle as well i guess just two questions really um if you've heard of anything about that and if, if that's something you know that vehicle definitely still got some value to it but it's scaring me if that sounds like something that i just need to get rid of this vehicle parasitic draw is not a loan problem to Toyotas. It's lots of cars have parasitic draw. 
and you can figure out why it has draw if you get into a shop that will look at it. Now, if the car's new, it's going to be more difficult for them to chase this. But what happens is that they get in there and they hook up to the negative cable and they see how much it's drawing. Sometimes we see that as simple as a dome light being burned out will cause large amounts of draw on your battery and cause it to go dead all the time. Sometimes we have computers that wake up and shut down and wake up and shut down. And so we need to see how much draw there is to, to go on. Um, you sh it shouldn't go dead in a week. I mean, if it's sitting for a month, we see a lot of cars that have struggle with with parasitic draw. Now, does every car struggle in a month? No, but there is some that do. And if you're one that lets your car sit for long periods of time, um, battery tender, which the person just before talked about, is a good option. And they're really inexpensive, but this, but you have to be close to a plug-in. Okay, but they were making it sound like, and you did say computers, but the ECM, that they hadn't figured out exactly what to do about that. Is there some circumstances where it's just built into the circuitry of the computer and there's really no fix for it? If it's, how many days does it take for the battery to go dead? I've only had it go completely dead one time. Well, that's another thing that's scary. This last time, I'm getting some message about the, the, the parking brake. And I Googled that as well. And it said that normally when you start to see that intermittently come up, that is a battery issue. And that was the first clue as well. So lately, I haven't. But if I, if I normally I keep in a heated garage, but if I would leave work or uh, be out of town for two days parked outside, that's when I start to see that other intermittent uh, message come up, which is not normal. And that's, again, like I said, going back to where it was telling me more time than not that intermittent message was a battery problem. Yeah, I, I, you, have, you have something going on here. I mean, if it's still under warranty, I would I would certainly pressure the dealer to find out what's going on here because you should not we're not seeing this at all on this particular Toyota model that you continue to have this problem. So I would certainly, and, and if your first Toyota dealer doesn't help you, there's some Toyota dealers close to more at Fargo that maybe they would help you too. So if you don't get satisfaction, don't be afraid to drive a little bit to find someone that will help you. Okay, that sounds good. And I do have an appointment, but it sounds like those two are at the same point. If I'm not getting much answer, I do need to think about getting rid of it. But it is good to know that that's not a common problem with Toyota. So it's, it's thank you very common, much for your so. time. You bet. Thanks, John. The mechanic is in on KFGO. Bruce Beckeris is here taking your questions. Uh, let's see. We've got some text messages coming in at 35270. I have a 2005 Toyota Prius. Body is in excellent shape. No rust, etc. The vehicle has 286,000 miles on it. I think the, combi the combination meter is going out. In your professional opinion, is this worth replacing? And if yes, how expensive is it? I'm not really sure what the combination meter is, so I'm not really sure where to go. That makes um, that makes two of us. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was reading it wrong. There is a combination switch, but I don't know what the combination meter is. So I, I and I probably couldn't give an estimate of how much it takes to to fix it. Now, 280,000 mile Prius, you've certainly got a lot of value out of there, and so 
once we figure out what it is, we can decide, you know, is it worth going forward or not. So um, if we get a little information on what combination meter is, we can go forward. Bruce, I Googled it, and so maybe I can shed a little bit of light here. The combination, yeah, yeah, the combination meter does a lot more than display your speed, mileage, and gear position. Uh, a few responsibilities. It displays the fuel level, and it doesn't look like this is maybe probably. So it's probably the dash cluster then, if it's displaying all of this. Yeah, that's what it really looks like. And maybe, maybe the good place is that is that once we see a picture of this, maybe you could look online for something used or rebuilt, and it probably would be a sustainable fix to keep this car on the road because. You know, cars can last a long, long time now. Yeah, do you remember back in the day when a car over 200,000 miles was kind of a rarity, and nowadays that's what we're expecting as users? I remember when a car 100,000 miles was junk. I mean, <laughs> it was, you know, I'm not that old, but uh, cars, if they had 100,000 miles on it, the wheels were ready to fall off. Uh, another text for you, Bruce. This person says that they're looking to buy a truck, but they want an extended cab or king cab but doesn't want it too big. So that seems kind of like an oxymoron right there. What kind of truck are they looking for? Uh, maybe you'll have some insight. Well, there's a lot of mid-sized trucks out there now. Uh, Hyundai makes the Santa Cruz, the new Ranger Maverick. Um, um, Honda's making a little truck now. So there's a lot of small trucks that are out there that are a good option. Um a lot of smaller trucks are growing up. The Chevy Colorado and and the and the Dodge uh, Dakota they've grown up, so they're not as small as they used to be. But there's still there's people entering into the small truck market, so there's certainly some choices out there. And the easiest way is to Google that. Someone says I'm looking for a 28. I'm looking at a 2018 truck. It has 125,000 miles on it. Is that high for a truck? It's, it is high for a truck. No, in my opinion, 118 miles in today's world is not high for a truck. 2018, 20,000 miles on it, 20,000 miles a year. I think that's a realistic number. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot to me. You're still going to get a lot of life out of that truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Um, I, I would think so. I would, you know, 100. It's hard to find a truck with under 100,000 miles on it now. If you start shopping used trucks, mm-hmm. and and if you start shopping for a used truck with under 100,000 miles, you almost pay new price for it. So right. you kind of kind of keep that in mind. Bruce Beckers is here, A1 Automotive and Transmission Service, taking all your automotive questions. Bruce Beckers is here. The mechanic is in on KFGO, taking all your automotive questions. Back to the text club we go, Bruce. Parked my 2003 Jeep in storage two months later, started up, and bad brakes. Reservoir was empty. Any idea what may have caused this? Well, if the reservoir went empty, something happened to a brake line somewhere. So whether whether the lines were rusty or a hose broke, and when you stepped on the brake the first time, the fluid ran out. So look under the car by each wheel. Somewhere the fluid leaked out if the reservoir is empty. Um, old age, I would say, caused it. Sure. Um, is this the question? Do Does 
Your shop guarantee repairs on a vehicle with a salvage title. Yeah. And does a used vehicle that is certified have extra warranty protection? No. Okay. <laughs> it can. I mean, some people, a lot of Volkswagens, uh, this is a good example. A lot of Volkswagens say it's a certified used car and they'll have extra warranty protection. But it's per car, you know. If it's a really late model car and it goes through some kind of a dealer inspection, sometimes, like in the Volkswagens, the certified used car has more warranty than the brand new Volkswagen, which is a really strange phenomenon, but they do that a lot. And so, especially all the diesel Volkswagens that were recalled, and then if they sold them again, then they gave them lifetime powertrain after they sold them again. So it was a very weird thing. Okay. Hopefully that answered all your questions. If you've got another one, you can text back at 35270. We're also taking your calls at 237-5948, and Andrew has called in. Andrew, you're on with Bruce. Go ahead. Hey, Bruce. I got a 2013 Ford Edge, and the brakes are starting to get soft. I can feel them drag when I first apply the brake pedal, but I just about got to get all the way to the floor before I get any response out of the brakes. Okay, and so the very first thing, we'll look at the power brake system, something going on with the power brakes themselves. If there's nothing going on there, then we'll truly start looking, are all the brakes working? Are only the front brakes working? Are only the back brakes working? And we'll have to be on a hoist to find that out. Okay. Thank you, Bruce. All right, thanks. thanks. And if we head back to this Prius for just a second. Yeah. I like Jiggy. JJ went and Googled this. Um, there's a whole bunch of people who are fixing the combination meter. Evidently, there was a huge recall on this. And, of course, according to what I read, it's sunsetted, but it did like 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, and 2008. And a little capacitor goes bad on the little part of the combination meter and allows you not to see your speed or how much gas you have. And mm. so there's people who are fixing those for fairly inexpensive. You send it away, you get it back. Some people even have ones that you can you can send yours in afterwards and they'll put the right mileage back on your car so it's accurate. And yeah, so the person thinking that he has to throw his Prius away, I would say definitely not. Yeah, sounds like an important little thing though. Yeah, sure does. <laughs> Uh, Bruce, this is a fun one. Okay, let's go back to 1996. It's a Buick Skylark. Okay. Beautiful. And this person says, I've had a problem lately because I don't drive this vehicle often enough that I have to jump it. After I jump it, it won't shift out of park. And th that really has to be unrelated because the reason it won't shift out of park is usually because something's wrong with the brake light. And the brake light, um, the brake light switch, when you step on the brake, you can hear a little click in the car. And that, for some reason, called BTSI solenoid, that moves a little solenoid so you can pull the shifter out of park. And so if you turn the key to the very first notch before the dash lights come on, you should be able to take it out of park and then started in neutral, so at least you're not dead. Okay. 
another question for you on this one is a uh, this has to do with the Kia Sorento and the driver's side door sensor is telling the computer that it's opened. Trust me, I've slammed the door tight shut. Yep. And that's something new that we're seeing with a lot of cars now. Every car has door sensors. Most of them are built into the latch. So into the door latch, there's a sensor that tells it's open, and they can blink on and off when you're driving. And usually when that happens, you end up with a new door latch itself. Okay. Let me ask you a question from uh, my own vehicle, uh, Bruce. I love that. Every now and then, um, and by every now and then, I mean I've probably done this like 20 times since I got this vehicle. The seat belt doesn't retract, and I end up shutting the door onto the seat belt. Uh, is yep. there anything I can do to make my seatbelt retract better? Really, the main thing is that when you when you pull the seatbelt out, as you get out of the car, you just have to look at it. There's, I mean, I drive lots and lots of cars, and there's lots and lots of cars, and I just, I just, I just come to the conclusion that I have to look at the seatbelt, make sure it's going to retract straight, because if it's not going straight. It's not going to go in straight. If the retractor goes bad, you can certainly replace the retractor. Um, in most cases, they're not super expensive. And in some cases, when they are very expensive, you can actually ro- locate one from a salvage car. Okay. Uh, again, 237-5948-800-8805-346. I like that in JJ's little notes just behind the scene your name in my system says Bruce by tires Beckeris. <laughs> <laughs> Which amazingly we haven't talked about buying tires yet, but there's still it time. Solves so many <laughs> problems with good tires. Bruce by yep. tires Beckeris. Okay, let's get to Tim. He's called in. Tim, go ahead. You're on with Bruce. Hi, this is uh, Sam actually, but uh, question about four wheel drive tranny in the front. The first problem I had is on my hunting truck. It's a 2001 F-150, tons of miles on it. Um, it, it overheated. The transfer case up front, that bo- that oil in there boiled up. And then okay. So then we brought it in, troubleshot it, replaced the oil. It goes in and out of four-wheel drive. Okay. But after you take it out of four-wheel drive and it, it quits doing its thing, you'll be driving along, and every now and then you'll feel a slight catch either one of the hubs or something's possibly trying to kick in. And the only way to get that to go away is to put it reverse and back up about 10 feet, and then, then it runs fine. So I was just trying to so, troubleshoot. So what, what usually goes on when this happens is that one of the hubs stays engaged. And so it okay. comes out of four-wheel drive, and one of the hubs stays engaged, and the other one's not engaged. And so what really happens there is there's two little gears in there called side gears, and they run on spider gears. And so when one hub stays engaged, it's spinning the other axle backwards because that's how you can turn without being bound up. So you're driving down the road, it's spinning the other one backwards. Well, what's the next step? It tries to engage the other hub in reverse, and it goes, bam. And then after a little bit, it'll do it again, bam. And so... We have to look why is that one hub staying engaged. Once you get that fixed, the troubles are over. As far as the overheating of the oil, it certainly could overheat the oil if that's going on. There's no doubt about it. I mean, 
if you rent, if you put your blender on the on the uh, on the counter and put something heavy in it and ran it for an hour, that thing would, over, would overheat. Even though it's it, just the way it is, things moving in a contained area creates a lot of friction and will definitely overheat. So that's probably why it's overheating. Gotcha. All right. Thank you so much. You bet. Have a great day. Thanks, Sam. Um, next up is Jim. Jim, go ahead. You're on with Bruce. Yes, I have a 99 Yukon. Yeah. And every once in a while, it will miss. When you're, like, going down the interstate, you'll feel it. And I have changed the spark plug wires, the spark plugs, uh, put in the spider injectors, and I updated to the new style. And it got a little better, but it still does it every now and then. And um, I don't know what else to change. The very and first I put on step. Steel filter. Okay. The very first step to do here is get somebody with a really high end scan tool and reset crankshaft correlation. Okay. That, when you talk about this, this is the very first thing you want to do. And it's a function where it says reset crankshaft correlation, and you put it in neutral, and you hold the gas to the floor for, it just does it for a heartbeat, and it'll shut it right off, and it resets the cam to crank correlation. And many times, if that gets uncorrelated, it will do exactly what you say. If that doesn't fix it, compression test is next. Okay. And it runs good otherwise, and there is never Absolutely. a code for it. No, nope, no code. Crankshaft correlation will not set a code. But that's a very, I mean, many, many, many times we see vehicles at our shop that they've been fighting like crazy, and we'll reset crankshaft okay. correlation, and it's over. Okay. And you can do that? Sure. Sure. I mean, with a, okay. I mean, if you if you come for a test drive, we could go and reset crankshaft correlation. I I can't do any more in an instant, but you call over to the shop there and talk to them and and talk, say we talked on the radio and we want to see if we can reset crankshaft correlation, and they'll certainly they'll certainly do that for you. All right, thank you. You can Google that. You can Google crankshaft correlation. See what you can find out about it this afternoon. Okay. <laughs> I have checked on, on my scan tool and, and it doesn't show anything too. So, but you I don't have know to have that good I functional tests. So you have to have functional tests where you can see misfire individually. You need to be able to see all your fuel trims individually. So if you have a really high end scandal that you can see this under individually, when you go to functional tests, it should be there. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks for the call. Uh, back to the text club here, Bruce at 35270. 2011 Subaru Legacy steering is getting harder, possibly hearing a whining noise while steering. Assuming power steering pump is going bad. However, no fluid leaks or anything else visibly noticeable. How difficult and costly is the repair? And can a reasonably mechanically inclined individual handle this repair on their own? Oh, with the help of sorry, YouTube. gotta start over, you... Bruce. We I missed the beginning of that. Okay, are you ready? Yep, we're ready. Okay, so a reasonably 
Christ, a reasonably capable person, should be able to replace the power steering pump on this car. I mean, it is in the front of the motor. There's not a lot of things in the way you should be able to do this. Uh, the biggest challenge might be to bleed the air out of the system afterwards. But if you're reasonably skilled and you have YouTube and, and a warm place to work, you should be able to get this done. And the, the indicator, too, if the pump was bad, is you would expect to hear some whining. If it's not whining, I would certainly have someone drive this just to be sure that something else going on so you don't waste money. Okay, sounds good. There's your your question at 35270. We'll continue to take your questions for the last few minutes of The Mechanic is in when we come back. Bruce is here until 2 o'clock, so get those final calls in at 237-5948 or a final text in at 35270. Bruce Beckers, we're wrapping up The Mechanic is in here. If people want to get a hold of you at A1 Automotive and Transmission Service, how should they do that? You can always call us, 218-233-6161, and you can always find us, 2627 16th Avenue South, just 11 blocks north of the Maury Menards on Southeast Main and one block west on 16th Avenue. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much for being with us again. We appreciate it, Bruce. We'll see you again soon and um, for an extended period next month. It's always, well, we know it'll be the 13th, right? It's the second Monday of the month in March. We'll see you again. It'll be crazy. I can't wait. Sounds good. Thanks, Bruce.